What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that it's like Stockton. All right, Fast X Sports Show, episode number two. Very special guest uh, today joining me in balls as always. Yo, yo, how you doing first off? I'm doing great. I'm ready, ready, locked and loaded, ready to shoot, man. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to roll. We had a great guest. How about you introduce him? That I will do. So we are here with my uncle, although um, that, that's not the only reason he's on. Although I would say that's probably his crowning achievement if uh, if we were going through his uh, his Rolodex of records. Uh, but he attended CMU in the 1970s. I noticed I didn't. That is not me that made that bio. That's straight from his own personal bio on Three Point Podcast, which he is a podcast host of with me and Matt Burns from ESPN. Uh, he's got over 30 years as a high school play-by-play announcer. He's interviewed guys all the way from Bo Schembechler to Jeff Daniels. He's basically, if anything from 1980 until now in the sports world, about 40 years, he's got an opinion on it. And he's been around. He's seen it. He's probably interviewed the guy at some point in his career. But the biggest question right now uh, just came through the pipe. The news, MHSAA has officially started the high school football season. Practices are going to start next week. And then in a couple weeks after that, the we're going to have our first game. So, Ted, you've basically been on record saying that you are a huge proponent in this. I'm basically the 100% opposite way. Uh, I guess first off, just explain why you are so happy about this announcement. All right, I will. First of all, I want to say it's an honor to be on the Fat Stacks uh, podcast. I listen to you guys. I'm a big fan, so I love it, guys. So thanks for having me on. But to your question, um, first of all, you know, Jared, that when this first started and the MHSA came right out and just flat out canceled the season, they're going to play in the spring. And I was on record at that time as saying, whoa, you guys are jumping the gun. You know, why don't you wait till October? And, you know, my plan, I don't think anybody paid attention to it. My plan was start in October, the 1st of October, play a nine-game regular season, and throw the tournament out the door. At least the kids get to play That's football. Horrible. That's horrible. And, uh, you know. <laughs> Yo yo, can you imagine? Yo yo, can you imagine playing a season with basically no reward at the end of it, where you're basically it's like it's a participation award. Yeah, I mean, put my body out there as a weapon all for nine games, and then just what taking the weapon home, not shining it up, not not putting it in a showcase. I, I'm putting the weapon back in the bedroom. That's it. Isn't there something to be said for a conference championship, an undefeated season, nine and zero? Wouldn't you be able to hang your hat on that and say, you know what, we would have been, we're the best team in the state. We would have been state champions, but COVID screwed us. That's, we at least got to play. That's um, that is one positive from the fact that the that we are going to play is because you know if it hadn't been canceled or if it had been canceled, that basically there would have been 400 mythical state champions this year who at the bar in 10 years would be saying how they're the state champions. They, if they would have just had a chance, like they were going to, they were going to really do some damage this year. Guys like Yo-Yo Ball. Like Yo-Yo Ball. You also look at that as a negative. Be like, oh, like there really wasn't a state champ, but at the same time, everyone's claiming they are. Like there's just a big asterisk. It's an asterisk on that state championship game. I guess it's the what ifs, and I, I I don't leave chance. I don't leave my life to chance. I don't leave my life to what ifs. You know, I want to know. I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know who's the actual champion. And like I said, don't but give me a showcase. Give me something. Give me a trophy. You know. So, so here's where we're at. Here's where we're at as of Thursday, as we record this. They're going to have a six-game regular season, and then they're going to let everybody into the playoffs. So. Both your points are well taken. They're going to have a champion when it's all said and done. They're moving it the week after Thanksgiving. Again, let's hope it doesn't change, but that's what the plan is right now. So why were you so, like, you just, there's zero part of you that's like, we don't know the long-term effects of COVID. We don't know whether, like, really, we don't, no one can even get a grip on COVID, but yet they're going to trot these, and I know you're going to say, oh, well, they're not at risk, but we really don't know who's at risk. We don't know what the long-term well, risks are for people that have COVID. Yeah, I mean, there's risk in everyday life, guys. I mean, just driving your car down the street, there's risk. You have a risk when you get out of bed in the morning. The thing is, they're letting them go to school. They're letting them go to school. If you're at school, tell me why you shouldn't be able to play football. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing with that as well. I'll go right off of that point and counter that one. So when... (laughs) So... Colleges, like I said, and I'm saying it again, University of Michigan, Michigan State, Central, Western, 
Eastern. All of those schools are not playing football. And what makes so if, if those colleges millions amounts of money, why are they not playing? But high school sports is happening, and even the colleges in general aren't like. I mean, a lot of them are online as well. So I guess where what's the difference? Why? What, what's Here's the difference? here. Let me explain to you the difference. The difference is colleges can do the testing. And they know that there's basically no way for them to go COVID-free with a team. I know that there's, oh, the Michigan had 800 and some tests and none of them were positive. All right, that's one week. Congrats. You got through one week. Soon as once some kid, some random guy on your team decides he's going to go back home and throw a, a barnyard, backyard party and just a COVID fest, he's going to come back to the team. He's going to infect other people. And they're all going to test positive and they're not going to be able to play. Whereas with high school football, they don't they don't test these kids. They just say, "Oh, uh, you got if you got a fever." Basically, they're waiting until these kids are on their deathbed, and then they will say, "Oh, you got COVID," because there's no they're not testing them. Here's what I'm waiting for, and I, let me let me just shoot this out here. The SEC right now, the University of Alabama is making massive news for. Having more COVID cases on the university, not even in athletics, but just in the as university in general, more COVID cases than the whole country of Canada, eh? So I guess with that, like, when does it stop? So I, I don't know. I go back to your point, it's, but I had to get It's not going to stop with guys like Ted. Two separate conversations here, high school <laughs> and college, okay? If the high school kids are in school, I mean, they're not going to these big dorm parties. Yeah, they party, but... Let's look at it this way. If they're in school, why not be able to They can social sports? distance in school. They can't do you can't do that on a football field. That's the exception. You're right, but you still can go through some safety precautions. You still can be relatively safe. I go back to my point is that young kids and tell me any young guys you know that you hang with that, that tested positive number 1 for COVID and number 2 were very ill. You probably know people they don't even know they had it that are asymptomatic, right? So what is the big deal for the kids? I'm talking about the biggest concern I would have is going home, taking it home to your grandparents, your parents that might have underlying issues. And the way you solve that is every individual family has to make that decision, but at least they can have a say. And if they want to play football and the parents, and it's the other sports too, soccer, everything else, if they want to play and the parents are on board with it and the schools are okay with it, I see no reason why not. I'm, again, I'm the old guy you're interviewing here. <laughs> I'm in the health risk you know, area. Yeah. I'm you know, 64 yeah. years old. But I, I'm at the point right now, as I've seen this thing for five and a half, six months, we got to get back to some normalcy. we got to. we got to move on. This COVID thing, yes, it's serious. Yes, there's a lot of deaths. But you can look at a lot of other diseases that have been out there, and we have not shut down our country, shut down our economy, and just went completely ape shit over this. <laughs> yeah. Time has come that we got people got to just make their own decisions. That's the whole point I'm making, boys. Dealer's choice. Just, just right. dealer's choice. Well, I mean, if, if you're going to take the risk, honestly, funniest thing I saw in a minute was it was Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins said, if I die, I die. It, that, uh, the way that, they sub. <laughs> The way they separated that quote and like posted where that's all they had that he said was "If I die, I die" was not right, but it's pretty dang funny. But yeah, I, sure. I hope you guys are right. I hope you're right, Ted. Where it's 100. percent This is the right thing to do, and I hope that we're not in two months at you know our local high school, Corona, having like a giant, basically like everything getting blown up where the whole team is tested positive and they're getting sued or something. Knock on wood. Yeah, I hope so, too. It's just the feeling that I'm at right now. I think they just, you make your own decision. You know, you still, I'm not saying you just go crazy. You still got a social distance in the school, still wear a mask, still have safety precautions at practices and games as much as you can. Hell, I'm not even against wearing a cotton cloth mask under the helmet, but it doesn't seem to be a popular thing. I watched some of the high school games out there, you know, that were on TV last weekend. They weren't wearing masks. Coaches were, but the players weren't. So let me leave you with this. One, uh, if like a lot, if I was wearing a cotton like mask when I was like playing football, like I, I probably would have passed out numerous times, but that that's just me talking. But um, I'll leave you with this. I'll leave both of you guys with this. 
the biggest thing is why I'm against just right away shotgun out of the shot out of the cannon. You're just going and going with it. I hate backtracking. Backtracking to me is the worst possible thing. If you're going to go forward with it, let's go forward with it. And I'm okay with that. But the second that they go, ah, you know what? It, the people are getting it and students or whatever. Like, and they're going, okay, we're going to go back to shutdown. That's what I'm not okay with. If we're going to go forward, let's go full steam ahead and let's just, just do it. I don't want no half, half ass. I don't want that. If we're going to do it, let's do it. So here's what I hate. And this is what I'll leave it at. I hate that we're acting like these high schoolers. One, yo-yo, correct me if I'm wrong. Ted, you probably too. 95% of kids that play high school football really don't care. They really, they're probably rooting for the season to be canceled. Honestly, (laughs) they do it so they can wear a Jersey on Friday nights uh, they can wear a jersey to school. They can the whole reputation that comes with it. They really don't care. They really don't care. Especially now that the whole season's it's kind of like an asterisk on the season. There's the five percent that I feel sorry for. Like if the season was canceled, I'd feel sorry for that five percent. But the other ninety five percent, which is basically the majority of these kids, where people are acting like they're so screwed over. They're eighteen years old in high school. Like life can be a lot worse. <laughs> they have no worries, really, other than the fact that, oh, they got to wear a mask to school. But we're babying them and acting like they have it so tough. Like, you would think these guys are coming home from war, the way that people are, like, reaching out, like, oh, I'm so happy for the seniors that they get to play, like, on Twitter today. It's a joke. It's no one – it's high school football at the end of the day. High school wow, football in that, Michigan, that, which that is take, really well, kind of a joke. That take right there blows my mind away from a guy that loved football yourself. Five percent. excelled at it. I can't believe you would say that. I mean, really? You don't th- you don't think the majority of the high school foot? We're talking football right now. You don't think the majority of them are like ecstatic that they get to play? The thing is, guys, there's a very few amount that can go on from high school and play college football. Very few. The only chance they got to play football. We know spring wasn't going to work. And and yo yo to your point, the MHSA they dropped the ball right from the get go by postponing it saying well we're going to play in spring they should have delayed it and now like you said they're backtracking they wouldn't have had a backtrack if they had had some goddamn common sense (laughs) i i'm with you and uh fats to your point of not a lot of kids are static maybe i'm just in that five percent but i loved playing high school football and even though i didn't really play as much i still loved it maybe that's why i loved it i don't know but uh just in general, I, I feel like it's more than 5%. I feel like it's almost like a 50-50 shot. You knew. You knew the guys on the team that wanted to play. You knew the guys that didn't. Simple as that. And the I feel like it, don't, the guys that don't want to play, they don't have to go now. They yeah, to go right. They, they have an excuse. But that's what play. I mean. They are, they are not ha- They did not want to play. They had it made in the shade. Oh, I'm on the team, but we really don't even play. They had it perfectly made, but anyway, enough on COVID. This was the main point of bringing you in today, Ted, was to talk about your illustrious history as play-by-play <laughs> announcer. So, I like debating better. Which I, yeah, it, yeah, me too. Which you uh, basically just found out that you're going to have a job this upcoming fall uh, with the high school games coming back around. But how did you get started? For some, I, I know I'm familiar with the story, but to some of our listeners, how did you even get started in play-by-play? Yeah. It, I'll shorten it up a little bit, but back in the uh, back in the mid '80s, uh, the local radio station at that time was WOAP, and they they did every Friday night uh, a doubleheader. They did an Owasso game and they did a Corona game. They do one live, they do one on tape delay. Uh, the Corona broadcaster took a second shift job, and you know that position became open. Uh, a fellow uh, basketball player that played City League basketball with me, a legend in Owasso, Denny Herka, he was the play-by-play guy for Owasso Sports. He, uh, he caught me after a game and asked me if I would be interested in, in doing that gig. And I said, sure, I'd give it a try. So uh, a day or two later, the station manager called me, offered me the job, didn't even interview me, just said, hey, you want to do it? I said, sure, I'll do it. I was all hooked up. And that's, that's where it all started. And now, what was it like, uh, the very first game you called? I mean, I've done play-by-play before. It's hard to explain how nerve-wracking it is. It's kind of dumb how nerved up you do kind of get for it, at least when you know you're not prepared whatsoever, which I'm sure you probably were the first game. Oh, you're right. I mean, I I did all my homework. I was, you know, I was in my late 20s. I'm cocky, you know. I I thought, man, this is a piece of cake. I show up to the gym. 
first game happened to be a basketball game. I was working with an old guy about my age now, you know, been in their business yeah. forever. And we get to like, uh, he said, uh, 30 seconds to air. And I thought I was going to pass out. I, mean, I, I was all good to that point. And then all of a sudden I realized I've got to be on the air and semi know what I'm talking about. And you're right. It's funny. You know, it seems like everybody thinks they can do it, but it's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I guess speaking to that, I guess like growing up, did you know, like you said, you kind of just kind of flew into it. Like you yeah. did, you had, you, that wasn't what you were kind of going like to school or what you were like, your aspirations were. So it just kind of hit you like a ton of bricks. No, you know, in, in high school, I did kind of think about going into sports journalism, but my skill set at that time was uh, pretty heavy into industrial education. I was really good at drafting. So I ended up going to college to study drafting and really in my real career, uh, that's what I started out for the first 10 years of my career as, as a draftsman. And then uh, the, the, the sports on the radio was a part-time gig, but you guys would be shocked how many people think it's my full-time job. For yeah, all these I, years, many people thought that's what I did for a living. Yeah, honestly, I did. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. That's, that's exactly what I thought. Um, I wish. <laughs> so what's, the, what's, the, what's something that uh, people don't understand that would be hard about being a play-by-play announcer? Well, uh, it's very difficult to mem- – like in a football game, let's say. Basketball is a lot easier to kind of memorize the players. Once you see them go up and down the court a few times, you, you can pick up on not only their number but how they play, right? Even if you don't follow that team all the time, it's pretty easy to pick up on uh, the individual players. Football is a little difficult because you got 11 on each side. You're throwing subs into the game. So it's really important. And for anybody that is has any aspirations to be a play-by-play guy or be, you know, or even a color guy, homework's everything. You know, when you when you show up to a game, if you only use half of your notes in your research, that's about average, I would say. But in football, you really have to have kind of a detailed spotter board. You know, with the players' numbers on it, maybe a few tidbits to throw out on the air. It'll just make it flow a lot smoother. Yeah, I got you. That's awesome. Uh, so starting out early on. When you said you were doing the drafting and you were doing the sports casting, was there ever like kind of a moment like in that early career where you kind of hit reality? You're like, maybe this isn't going to work out, or did, did it actually did it just kind of roll into being what you wanted to do? No, it worked out kind of segue. And I've been asked this question before: Did you ever want to do it full time? And you know that thought certainly had crossed my mind, but it. At the time I started getting into broadcasting, shortly after that I went through kind of a rough divorce. I, you know, I had a young daughter. It's funny because I was actually offered a job at a fifty thousand watt radio station in Seattle, but you know I just couldn't do it. I, cu- I couldn't be away from my family and my daughter, especially. So, but the, the decision was made. You know, and I've, I've been happy with it ever since. Now, yeah. you, you're, you're, quote unquote, the story that kind of is like it's passed down from generations in our family is how you had the potential of like this huge break, which was basically if you want to tell the story, when Magic Johnson found out he had AIDS, you were basically lined up to be the one that broke the news, the one that interviewed him for the very first time, right? Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that was one of the most depressing weeks afterwards when it all <laughs> fell through because it was all it was all put together to give you this back story a little bit uh we were doing uh my sport my sports show the sports forum we were networked statewide on 22 different stations and one of the guys we had hooked up with his name is dale beard from the lansing area he grew up uh with magic as his best friend he was his best best man in his wedding we had him on the, on the radio broadcast quite often and when the story broke on Magic and the HIV, you know, we, we were silly, but he lined this interview up for us. He lined it up. This was going to be the first time Magic ever talked to the nation. We were going to do it on our network, and we were going to be nationwide. That's where the job at Seattle got thrown at me. Sight unseen, I'm offered this job. But so, so we got this thing all lined up. We're going to do this state or this nationwide interview. Frank Beckman, I don't know if you ever heard his name, he was a big-time announcer on WJR in Detroit. He was going to be my co-host, and we were going <laughs> to bring this to the nation, okay? So uh, I don't know if you guys remember or you can look it up, but they had an all-star game in Orlando. Magic was going to come out. He had retired because of the HIV, but he was going to come and play. That was going to be his first 
debut since the announcement. They were going to fly me down to Orlando to set this all up. So long story short, short, the phone call got made. We actually got a hold of Magic in his room, in his hotel room. My producer at the time is talking to him on the phone, and I'm sitting there listening to it. He's going, but, 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 but. I guess the agent got a hold of Magic and said, nope, it's not going to happen. Was there ever a time where you were like, this is a little too good to be true, kind of a Shiawassee County radio host? I mean, I, I think you guys were syndicated across the state at that point, right? We were, yeah. But even at that, like, you, like, I mean, you couldn't have been a little bit like, I guess you got all the way to Magic, which is more than I would have thought you did, but you never thought, like, there's no way in hell this is happening, this guy's full of shit. I, I didn't think that so much as I, I thought, I am in way over my head. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think I have some talent, yeah. you know, and especially here localized, but can you imagine <laughs> me on a nationwide broadcast with Magic Johnson, Frank Beckman, all over the country, it would have been uh, completely overwhelming, to be honest. Do you remember what your first question was going to be? Yeah, I was about to ask that. Uh, not really, but I know, of course, the thought crosses your mind. How many women were you actually with, Matt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome, very interesting. I, I've never heard that story. That kind of took me back a little bit. Uh, but speaking of people that you've interviewed, I know that um, you've interviewed – Bo Beckler, and that's like it's kind of a living legend in my life and also in Fads's life um you want to talk about that a little bit on like kind of how like how that kind of went down I guess yeah I will talk about I'll, I'll tell you the first time I fired a question at Bo Jared I think's heard this story I've been kind of poking him a little bit when you go to some of these press conferences after football games and you got the reporters there with cameras and you got the radio guys you got the uh, the newspaper guys you know, and most of them are there week in, week out. You know, I was the first press conference I went to was in '87. It was after a Michigan Wisconsin game. I actually brought a buddy with me, and we're standing in the back of the, the press conference room. And, you know, they're asking questions left and right. And my buddy hits me in the side. He says, You got to ask him a question. You got to ask him a question. <laughs> So, you, you, so I just, you know, it is, believe it or not, it's really nerve wracking to yeah. speak up. But I, I found my spot and I asked him a question, something silly like, are you going to continue to run the wishbone bow, you know? And this was right after he just ripped a newspaper guy. So he looked me, looked at me and he could tell that I was kind of a rookie and he, he gave me a flat out good answer. And that kind of gave me the confidence from that point on, really. People are just human beings. You, yeah. you can't be afraid to ask them questions. So from that moment, you know, Bo and I actually became pretty friendly. He got mad at me once when he was with the Tigers, and I asked, and you weren't supposed to ask him a question about firing Ernie Harwell. Well, Ernie Harwell is one of my heroes. Yeah. So what do I do at this press conference? I ask him a question about Ernie, and Bo got a little pissed at me, but he got over it. Do you, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how that got set So up. that's what people don't understand. Like, yo, yo, you kind of give me shit about this. These media, like, when you're interviewing, like, Jim Harbaugh is up at the podium, there's, like, 200 people. Like, right. it's almost like you're doing, like, public speaking in front of all these people. And you got Jim Harbaugh, who's just such a D-bag, where you say any question that's not, like, perfectly worded or maybe not the smartest thing in the world, and he's going to completely shoot it down and make you, basically embarrass you in front of everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I, from what, like, whenever, like, I've called Fats when he's, like, in those rooms, uh, I'm like, hey, just you ask a question? Like, that's just the way, like I said it. But, yeah, I'm sure there is a lot more to it. Sounds like you just kind of got to walk in there one a big one swinging. <laughs> you do. You do. You can't be worried about it. Once you get the first one out, it becomes a lot easier after that. But you're right. I, I'll tell you the, the truth, though. Back when I was starting out and really doing the major part of my interviews, it wasn't like it is today. I mean, today you got all this social media. Everything's immediate, you know. Yeah. If, if in my day I could have asked a silly question and got ripped on, who would have known? Yeah. Right. So, right. are you? Do you think it's like? Is it better how sports are kind of consumed? Where you like just last night watching Game Seven of Rockets Thunder, where yeah. as soon as something happens, you can go right on Twitter and view it. Or did you kind of prefer how it used to be, which is? What, you had to wait until the newspaper the next day to see, like, somebody's opinion on something? Yeah, you know, I'm an old-timer and old-school on a lot of things. But, no, I think uh, for, for things like sports, you know, the, the, instant, the instant information you get from Twitter and some of the other sites, I think it's awesome. I really do. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, 
kind of going off of the fact of, you know, you interviewed Bo and, um, and other really, really awesome people. If you had the chance to have like a dream interview with a, with somebody of your choice, past, now, present, or, you know, sometime in the future, wh- who would it be? And like, yeah, who would it be? Sports or anything? Sports. Okay, sports. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, I, just off the top of my head, you know, maybe, uh, and if I would have been alive then, somebody like a Babe Ruth, that'd been kind of cool to hear something <laughs> like that. But uh, after watching the Michael Jordan docu series, I think it'd been kind of cool to interview Michael Jordan. That that'd be pretty neat. Now you got to, didn't you get to go to one of his games like in the last last year, like in the nineteen ninety eight season, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I went basically along with snuck, my brother, brother yeah, you George. Snuck in, basically. We ended up with press credentials. I, I got to thank George for that. But yeah, we actually went to the United Center, and uh, we were all set up with press credentials. And uh, in the pregame warmups, we were down right at the floor level, you know, watching them go up for their layup line where they're jamming and everything. That was pretty cool. I never did. I, we didn't interview him afterwards, though. We were at the press conference, but it was pretty tight quartered. So we didn't get a chance to fire a question or interview, but yeah, that was pretty neat. So you think he's you think he's the best player ever? You kind of buried the lead on that over a LeBron James, or I'm kind of surprised you didn't say somebody like Bill Russell or something from your day. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can talk Bill from my day, all right? We can talk <laughs> Bill Russell, or you know, my favorite Bob Cousy, but uh, but you know, if I have to go with Jordan myself, yes. He's the, he's the greatest. I think LeBron brings a lot to the table without a doubt. I know Matt's guy, Kobe Bryant, he was also one of the greats. It's really tough to nail the number one, but since I got to see him play his entire career, you know, he finally got over the hump against the Pistons. I'm not going to say I love the guy, but I did really, really respect his talent. Now, who you – you obviously you – Yo-Yo mentioned uh, who would be your dream interview. Who is, like, uh, one, who is the most nervous you've ever been to talk to? Was it Bo Schembechler in that media room? or And secondly, like, who is the your favorite interview you've ever had? Is there, like, I know you've interviewed Jeff Daniels from, like, Dumb and Dumber. Is that is yeah. he at the top of the list, or where does everybody rank? He, he was one of the top ones, but if you're going to ask me my favorite interview, and it kind of really, it really got me into being able to interview some of these guys you mentioned it'd be Ernie Harwell he was my hero you know I loved the guy as a play-by-play guy I was able you know and I had some balls back when I was young I had a contact with the Tigers and I said hey I'm coming to the game tomorrow do you think there's any way you can get me up to meet Ernie in the middle three innings because Ernie used to do the first three innings Paul Carey would do the second three innings then Ernie would come back for the final three so my contact his name was Vince Desmond he said sure Ted Come on down, you know. Meet me at the at the uh, ladder area where the the broadcast booth where they you know they went up to it after the third inning. So I did, and he took me up to the broadcast booth. Ernie was he came out in the hallway to chat with me. I had a little tape recorder, a cassette tape recorder, with me. I asked him <laughs> if he'd mind if I could interview him. He said, "Sure, Ted." So I, I interviewed him for about five minutes or so, and then he said, "Do you want to come in the booth and watch the rest of the game with me?" sat behind Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey for the rest of the game. Can you imagine what that would do to a young sports cast yeah. and what kind of jolt that would be? It was awesome. Yeah, so that's awesome. That That's great. Um, that's pretty crazy to think that, like, you had no idea he was going to, like, bring you into the press box or anything. Not at or all. into the broadcast booth at all. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That would definitely get me fired up to do it. That's for sure. Speaking of the Tigers uh, and Detroit sports in general, uh, I know you're a big baseball guy, but what is your all-time like favorite memory of Detroit sports like that you've been at, witnessed, whether it was about TV, like in general, in your lifetime? Um, what's the worst? And then to add on, I guess, what's the – or sorry, what's the best? And then to add on, what's the worst? Yeah, well, I know I don't have the same memory Jared has of seeing actually uh, Justin Verlander throw a no-hitter, but uh, – I guess go in general, my whole memory, my team, my my Tiger team of all time was the '68 Tigers. Okay, I mean the story is out there. They came back from three games to one. You know they beat Bob Gibson in Game Seven. Mickey Lolich wins three World Series games. It's legendary what that '68 team did. And the thing that's different from that era to now, I mean, as a young kid, I could name every starting player from that team and the bench, and I could still name them today. 
But to, get, to get to your general question, probably since I was a little bit older, 84 Tigers, you know, winning the World Series, going 35-5. and five. Sparky Anderson comes in. They had all the young talent with Trammell and Morris and Parrish and, you know, that bunch. I, I love the 84 Tigers. What is it? Why in God's green earth? Like, was it really just that boring growing up in, like, the 70s where all you guys had was playing baseball and watching baseball? It's horrible. It's, hor- it's horrible. What's well, funny, we didn't know we were bored, Jared. I mean, we didn't have all these other distractions that you guys have, which is good and bad. I mean, in the summertime, all we did, we'd get out, go outside early in the morning. We'd play sandlot baseball. We might go shoot baskets and play some hoops. And as we got a little older, you know, you played high school summer ball. You played baseball. You played basketball. I mean, that, that's what you did. Everything was by season. It was all... You know, you play baseball in the summertime, football in the fall, basketball in the wintertime, baseball again in the spring. That's what we did. We weren't bored, and I don't know, I guess we survived. So why did you guys, why were you guys all, and everyone in the olden days, why were you guys all so terrible at sports, if that's all you did? <laughs> why are you an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you specifically. Why are you I'm saying, saying terrible in sports? You mean corona in general? No, I'm, I'm saying like, I'm saying... Bill Russell, Bob Cousy, Jerry West, uh, like Babe Ruth, these guys who really, if they played in today's game, they would just be absolutely horrendous. Why is it when I don't understand the disconnect? You, all you guys did was play, 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 but yet you sucked. I don't, I don't understand that. Well, it's it's all about generations. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, could Babe Ruth play today? No, we know that. Could Bob Cousy play today? <laughs> Bill Russell? I think Bill Russell maybe could hold his own, but. You know, it's different technology, different training. You know, things have changed. Back in the day, baseball players had to have have jobs in the offseason. They didn't make enough money. I mean, there's so much money nowadays, it just pays to be in top physical shape. But to answer your question, I mean, I don't. I disagree with you. I mean, it's very <laughs> tough to judge. You can't you can't take somebody from the 20s and say here play ball here in the 2020s you know what i'm saying here's something i've always wondered and something yo-yo let me know if you wonder this as well like in 20 years are our kids or whoever gonna look back on like lebron james and say like dude that guy was not that good like i don't understand like i guess what i'm asking is basically when you were a kid and you were watching like the 1984 tigers or like reggie jackson did it ever cross your mind like did you think like at the time like there's no way anyone's ever going to be better than this guy you asking me? Yeah. No, no, I, that, that thought never crossed my mind. I, mean, I, I looked at it in the moment. Yeah, Reggie Jackson was fantastic. All the great players from the era that I grew up, and by the way, one of those greats just died, Tom Seaver, one of the best pitchers ever for the New York Mets. But no, you, you know, they played against each other. The, the best at that time played against each other. So I mean, we never had that thought. Yeah, I, to go off of that, bounce it off, I don't think anyone in 20 years is going to think LeBron's awful. I think he's one of the best to ever do it. Uh, LeBron is different, but, like, if you're talking, like, I don't know, I feel like a James Harden's, like, a perfect example of that. Like, they're going to look back like, this dude sucked. No, I think James Harden's going to be the opposite. That's actually what James Harden said. He said, my game's going to be appreciated in 20 years. It's not 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 appreciated. Defense, going back, not playing defense. Well, he had a big defensive play last night. That he did. He, He won it for them. So what is it going on to the NBA playoffs? Is it is has the bubble as a TV guy, as a radio guy, media? Is it like why is it that the NBA bubble seemingly has worked and the MLB is just horrendous? Is it just the fact that it's baseball versus basketball, or is there something in the production? Uh, that's part of it. I mean, I think the NBA they had a good plan put in place. I mean, when you watch an NBA game on TV, frankly. It's not much different than it was before to me. I think the the competition level is even more intense because they're around each other every day. And that bubble, underneath the bubble, has got to be a little depressing, you know, where you can't go out. We've talked about it before. A lot of those guys like to hang out at the club, and they're not doing that. But, uh, you know, the the graphics, the broadcast, it's top-notch. Baseball is lacking. There's no question about it. I mean, cardboard cutouts, yeah, it's cute. And, and some of the product on the field's pretty good, but it's not like when you have 40,000 fans in the stands. It's just not. Can we come up with a way to fix baseball, us three? We got the young generation. We got Yo-Yo, who does not know a lick about baseball. Me, I don't really know a lick about baseball. You're a super devoted baseball fan. Why is yeah. it that it's losing guys like me and Yo-Yo 
and what can they do to fix it? Do you have any idea? Are you just basically saying it's a matter of time before baseball is just obsolete? Well, I think I think it's a matter of time. Baseball always was, for the most part, till football took over the NFL. I mean, baseball was number one. It really was as far as uh, the sport in this country. But they've lost a lot. They've lost a lot because of the pace of the game. Uh, your generation, you can't sit still, right? I mean, you go to you know, you're not going to watch a baseball game on TV. Now, I think you both probably still enjoy going to a ball game, but even even at that, it's more the social event, not sitting there watching every play and keeping score in a scorebook, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, for, for the majority of it, the thing that I'm fading away for when it comes to baseball, because I like baseball growing up. That was the thing. I, I enjoyed it. But as I get older, they, on social media is a big one, at least for me. The MLB doesn't allow any of their clips to be shared on like a Twitter or a Facebook. They, they don't do that. So like I'll scroll through and I'll see clips of, you know, James Harden strapping a three. I'll see a clip of, uh, I don't know, back in the day it was Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins, the favorite player of all time, Philadelphia Eagles, smoking, <laughs> some, smoking some tight end or something. like that. That's cool to me to see that instantly on my phone. And I don't get that when it, when it comes to, like if I want to see highlights of a baseball game, I got to go to ESPN. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said for that, Yo-Yo. The fact is, baseball needs to loosen up the strings a little bit and and have more individualism. They got to they got to endorse the bat flip, you know, the hot yeah. dogging as they used to call it. They got to get the personalities like they have in the NFL and NBA. You just got to because that kind of does it. Yeah, you got to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what, I agree. We've talked about it on this show numerous times. Uh, Tiger Stadium. Me and Yo-Yo, that was like one of those things where when we see the pictures, we see the videos, the stories, we don't understand why in God's green earth it was destroyed. So two questions. One, what was Tiger Stadium like? Was it worth all the hype? And two, how did – what happened? Why did we destroy it and why did Comerica Park become a thing? Because Comerica Park is horrible. Agreed. Yeah, I think we all three agree. I mean, I wouldn't quite say it's horrible, but it's it's definitely no Tiger Stadium. What you had in Tiger Stadium was just – First of all, you were right on top of the field. It was built up vertically. So if you're in the upper deck, you're just right on top of the field. Where at Comerica, you know, it's spread out. Also, they had overhangs, so you had some shade, which helped. And the other thing is, when you walked the concourse and you walked out into the stadium, all of a sudden, you're just hit with all this green. It was just unbelievable, the sight that you would see. and to answer your question, Jared, I mean, we've talked about this before on our other podcast. It's a shame when politics get involved. Politics got involved with ownership of the Tigers at the time. He wanted to have one of these marquee ballparks. You know, uh, officials in Detroit got on board with it. There was tons of people like myself that were dead set against it. But uh, they won. The money won. The money always wins. And they got their wish. And they got their new ballpark. And like I said, I don't think it's horrible but it's not anywhere near what Tiger Stadium was. I, I'm going to say that it was horrible. I, I, it sucks. Awful. Third base it, line so, is horrible. There was times, I remember growing up, there was a day, a game, uh, Fats and I went to a game on a bus. I don't know if you remember this, Fats. Yep. We went on a bus, Indian Trails bus from Owasso, and they just took us right to the stadium. And we are third base line, upper deck. I was miserable. The, the sun beating down, like, I, I, you might as well have just called me, like, a dried-out yo-yo. I, I had nothing in me. I, 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 I almost passed out. I almost yeah. – I should have, honestly. Like, that, like that's awful. That, that is one thing. Like, I didn't even – I didn't even care about what was going on because I was just getting beat down with heat. That's – summer – that's, like, when I die and go to hell, that's where I'm going to end up. I'm going to be third baseline, <laughs> upper deck, Comerica Park on a summer day. Just absolutely cooking, 130 I can't degrees. Just, I can't disagree with you boys on that one. That is the hugest mistake they made. It's Ugh. the same thing when you're sitting at the lower level on the third baseline. You're cooked. There's yeah. no doubt. There's, I, it, it, there's, actually, it's funny, to, it's funny to think about. You see all these old-timers that they need to stick that. They have the shade right underneath so when the like the club seats, where the club seats are now, right. where you'll, you'll sit up there and you got the old-timers up there they got their foot up on a on a cinder block or cinder uh, something, and they're they're keeping score. They they got their like that, that was cool for me to see, but I'm sure that was uh, like I'm sure that happened all the time everywhere. Yeah. 
the, you know one place where you don't have to worry about the heat, uh, Yo-Yo? Uh, Rivals. Tap House and Grill, which is who this podcast is brought to you by. Uh, if you're looking for some fun, rumors are swirling that we might be stopping in pretty dang soon here, Yo-Yo, for the Fat Stacks uh, unveiling party. Uh, but if you want to cheer on the Spartans, the Wolverines, Red Wings, Pistons, whenever they do all come back on at the same time, there's over 20 high-def TVs and awesome food and drink. Uh, and, and coming up pretty soon here on Thursdays at 630, they're going to have a weekly My Viewpoint show, which is basically like a family feud or Jeopardy. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Uh, also, Scrambled Legs podcast is gaining on the field in the running podcast industry. The Scrambled Legs podcast is putting themselves at the front of the pack. Host Noah Jacobs talks with awesome runners about all the things in the life of a runner. The thing about the Scrambled Legs show is that if you, Yo-Yo, I know it might not appeal to somebody like you, Ted, maybe not you either, probably not me, uh, some guys who aren't in the best of shape, uh, if we all are in the trust tree here, the three of us talking to each other. Running yeah. might not entertain us as much, but they also have the Cruising Altitude show with Ben Jacobs, which is just general pop culture stuff. And Noah does a pretty damn good job of making it entertaining for people who aren't necessarily healthy and running. And it might even give you some motivation, Yo-Yo right, to maybe even step out on the treadmill and to venture into the world of running. Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, but absolutely. Absolutely. That, that for sure. If, if I'm going to get motivated, I'm going to listen to that podcast. But if that's not your if that's not your speed, uh, last ad read is Jo Outfitters, Mid Michigan Hat Company. Uh, they got a lot of new gear coming out quick. Yo Yo, I'm, I'm familiar that you are very good friends with the owner. What's the, what's the deal with Jo Outfitters? Yeah, so he actually sent me an ad read. If I'm gonna go get right into it here. Yep. Uh, ever feel that there's these new online clothing companies just get so repetitive all the time? Instead, would you rather rip some darts? Crush the bush lights and fling some arrows. Well, the buck stops here. Come visit Jo Outfitters on Instagram at Jo underscore Outfitters and check out our new website uh, Jo Dash Outfitters. Hats are coming fresh off the press for everyone and their mother, along with electric news about hunters harvesting monsters in our local area. Hunting season's right around the corner, so just keep they are coming out with a lot of new things. I, I was getting pumped up listening to my my buddy uh, talk about it the other night. Um, but, there's, but wait, there's more. If you send us a picture of you and your animal this upcoming year, we will feature. They will feature you on your web, on the website and the Instagram page. So who doesn't love a good future? Come, feature. Come visit Jo Outfitters uh, on Instagram now on Twitter and uh, Facebook as well. Jo Outfitters, what a company! Uh, back to the show. So this is something I've been thinking about honestly since we t- were talking about the Magic Johnson story. You kind of buried the lead. You drove all the way down to Orlando. Realized this interview is not going to happen, and then had to, had to make the sad drive all the way back to Michigan. <laughs> no, or what no, was the deal no, with that? No. Never made it there. Number one, number two, I wasn't driving. They were going to fly me down. There. Okay, so, so never made it. So I guess basically, this producer hung up the phone and said, "Yeah, magic's out," and you just were heartbroken, or what was? What was like? Did you envision yourself like this is where I'm going to break through? This is ESPN. Next stop, ESPN. As soon as this this uh, interview drops. Uh, that thought had crossed the mind, and let me tell you, just envision this, okay? I was actually at the other radio station at the time. We were in the studio using the studio phone. When the producer hung up the phone, I kind of collapsed, sat down on my ass, (laughs) kind of put my head like this, and I was clinically depressed for a week. I really really was. I'm I'm not ever depressed. I'm never depressed. I was depressed for a week. What I would have done in that scenario, maybe this is just what I would have done as uh, being Yo-Yo. I would just got the went and got like the biggest cheeseburger I could have found with like just a large fry and just just house it. Oh, just house it. Swallow. Have the burger just swallow me up and just. I might have done that for a week, honestly, every single day. Well, I'm not gonna lie. There might have been a bourbon or two involved too. Oh yeah, that as well. That as well. So, wow. well, uh, one last uh, thing I want to touch on before we wrap this up. Uh, thanks again for coming on uh, the first Fast Stack Sports Show. It is our first one with a guest, so a little bit of growing pains, a little bit of technical difficulties, but <laughs> I don't think there's anyone better to have it break it in than a family friend and a avid Fast Stack supporter, from what I understand. Absolutely, and I'll tell you what. I, listen, I've been there, man. I mean, you know from when, when we were recording John Feinstein, man, we did half the interview without the microphone turned on. Yeah. Crap happens. Crap happens yeah. in radio. And you just got to roll with it. I know I heard you guys talk about you actually had a podcast that may have been an award-winning podcast that, for whatever reason, your computer crashed. 
Yeah. Listen, I've been there. You just got to be able to roll with the flow. You, you know, it's, it's part of learning. And that was, yeah. that was Yo-Yo Ball's deal, wasn't it, Yo-Yo? Yeah, it was. And that was probably the worst five minutes after after that. That was awful. Oh, that was awful. I talk about like sitting flat on your ass. Yeah, that was exactly what it was. Yeah. Wow. So, but it wasn't Magic Johnson. Nowhere compared to that. <laughs> this is so. This is the last thing I want to talk about. So you grew up in you know the '60s, '70s, '80s. Were the '70s as wild as they make it look? Like Woodstock and the like drinking and the partying. Is that really what it was like? Like, is there nothing that's like the seventies? Oh, it was pretty wild. There's no question about it. I mean, you know, I always talk to people that if you remember certain events, like a concert or a big party, if you remember it, you weren't doing it right. I mean, it was, it was, it was a wild time. And you know, there's, there's some things that, you know, I'm glad I survived and made through, made it through, but man, times were definitely different with, with the hippie culture and, you know, free love and everything else that was going on back in those days. It, yeah, the 70s are pretty much what you hear about. It was like that. I would have loved to spend just one day in the 70s. Uh, Ted, did you have long hair? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had long, flowing hair, man. The babes loved it. <laughs> now, how were, the, how were, like, the Beatles viewed at the time? By, like, was it, like, a girls' band or was, did everyone love them? Like, were they playing on no. the radio nonstop? Well, well, you know, the Beatles, when I look back at the Beatles, and it, actually they uh, they broke up in 1970. So you look at the Beatles, that really is a 60s group. Yeah. And they really, they changed music. But if you if you want to look to the 70s and you listen to any classic rock station nowadays, you know, primarily we're listening to groups like, you know, Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, uh, uh, Leonard Skinner. You know, that was our bread and butter right there. So That's obviously great. in the 70s, you were right around our age. This is my last question. And then, Yo-Yo, if you have one final question you want to throw out there before we wrap this up, we can do that. If you could go back and tell your 21-year-old self, which is how old both me – or no, Yo-Yo, you just turned 22, correct? Yeah, I'm kind of old. So yeah. if you could tell old your now. 21-year-old self any piece of advice or any sort of message at all, what would you tell? Oh, well – I thought about this quite a bit back when I when I was 21. I, I'll be honest with you, I was out of control. I would say rein it in, Ted, because I was I was out of control for about a three year period. Man, it was it was city league. It was go to work. It was play city league sports and party like a savage. I mean, that's that's how it was. <laughs> <laughs> now softball leagues used to be like a huge deal back then, right? Like that was kind of as soon as you graduated high school, you went. Instead of going pro, you went to the local softball league and played there. Yeah, and I mean, we're not talking slow pitch softball. We're talking fast pitch, you know, with the windmill like the girls play <laughs> college. And if you've ever watched girls uh, college softball, pretty similar to what we played on the men's side. And it was extremely competitive. I mean, we won a couple state championships, went to a national tournament. We had a combination of Owasso and Corona guys. And it was it was just the thing to do on a weeknight here in town bennett field you know where bennett field is yes it's on the west side of town they play girls softball they were like youth softball now but bennett field back in the day where we'd have three fast pitch games on a tuesday and thursday night and you always wanted to play the first game the six o'clock game because then you got to sit in the outfield and drink for two full games to watch ball it was awesome that's great um so i i got one final question uh i think it's a good one to wrap it up Knowing that your passion for a long time has been in sports casting and broadcasting, and I guess my question is pretty simple: What got you out of bed in the morning for it? What? Why was this such a passion for you? Why do you love it as much as you do? Oh, that's a good question. I don't. I've never been asked that one before. It, it kind of. Well, first of all, it keeps you. It keeps you a little young. You know, you stay in touch with the younger generation. That helps, but it also. You know, when you played sports, both you guys played competitive ball in high school. You get the competitive juices out a little bit. You know, <laughs> when you show up at, or when you wake up in the morning, you know you got a game that night. You know you got to do a little bit further prep. Yeah. But you know, when you walk into that gym and it gets ready for airtime, I'm still Ted Fatel. And my my one piece of strat or piece of advice I'd give anybody that wants to get in the business: you got to be yourself. But still. You know it's showtime. So yeah. you, the, the microphone's on, and it's time for you to put on the show. And that, that's what gets me going in the morning when it's game day. So you're kind of getting up there in age. I guess this will be my final question. 
You're getting up there in age a little bit. What type of are you? What type of career are you going to have? Are you going to have like a Tom Brady back half of your career where you kind of <laughs> explode again? Are you going to have a Michael Jordan with the Wizards career where it kind of falls <laughs> off hard? Or what are you looking to finish with? Well, I, I hope that uh, someday, you know, maybe you'll stick around the area and I can hand the microphone to you. But I expect you to be up to bigger and better things. But uh, I think I'll probably just fade into the sunset. I think as long as I can. Uh, continue getting up into the press box in the football seasons i'll probably continue football longer than i do basketball you know in the winter time i'm probably going to be a snowbird you know down the road and go somewhere south in the winter time so somebody else will take over the basketball microphone but i anticipate i'll probably do football as long as my health is good so that, that's my game plan All i'd say right. it's a pretty good game plan Pretty damn good game plan. That's a wrap. Fast X Sports Show, episode number two. Thanks again for joining us, uh, Ted. Thanks again to our sponsors, Rivals, J.O. Outfitters, and Scrambled Lake Podcast. Check them out. And uh, we got any closing thoughts? Yo-Yo Ball, if you, the floor is yours to send us out. If you uh, got anything else, Ted, uh, follow us on Instagram or on Twitter. Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Fast X Sports is back, and we ain't going nowhere. We're starting things off, and, and we're moving. Hop on the old steam engine. Nope, I'll uh, just say thanks for having me on, guys. It's a lot of fun. You asked some good questions I haven't uh, thought about before. And keep up the good work. I'll continue listening in. We'll we might have to do a little bit of a uh, crossover event with maybe you doing a little bit of play-by-play for us. I don't know. To be tuned. To be uh, – right. keep your eye peeled for that one. But all right. That's a wrap. Fast X Sports Show. Yo-Yo Ball. Floor is yours. See you later. Told Pooh he'll Told her don't let her friends know. In the villain, I move like a dime. Even Pettuccini or Vincenzo's. Me and my amigos got that free smoke on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm talking about pre rolls Dark hair, she look like she go. She do. Hometown hero, feeling myself, can't murder my ego. She heard a She said, Certified freak, hang around us, and she learning my lingo. Back then, wasn't worried about me, though. In the gym, trying to work on my free throw. Spending money at the club like Sam's. Yes, ma'am. She a little freak. But she don't put this on the ground. Little boys trying to diss on the ground. Hey, I can't switch on the fan. It's how I hit the switch on the fan. This where my head is. I feel resentment from every direction. Even some homies be wearing expressions. I be discouraged from sharing my blessings. We used to share a connection. Now it just feels like it's wearing and stretching. I'm getting real sick of taking advice from people that never could stare at reflections. Somewhere in there is a lesson. Y'all ain't evolving, it's very depressing. I'm at the club with the basketball team. Me and the Cardinals are sharing a section. Gotta cherish the present. I'm drinking water and I'm drinking water and got a career and I'm very invested. Some people call it a scary obsession. I like to call it a passion. I can't be sitting relaxing. PG, we getting some traction. I'm at the venue, it's packed. I'm digging her accent. I got a BB Simon belt on me, and she trying to get it. I'm passing. That's my type of distraction. That's my type of she Latin. Got my own flow, and I'm about to get a patent. Brand new sheets for the bed they sat in. Y'all wasn't tuned in back then. My swag, they keep jacking. I ain't doing no verse, quit asking. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that like Stockton. Just joshing. I'ma spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top 10.